the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosher. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> the show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a wonderful outpatient clinic at 290 and 610. We are very passionate about restoring the fullness of life to every individual or family struggling with substance use disorder. So if you or a loved one likes any information about our programs, please give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. Or... Uh, you can go to our website, matthewshope.org or mhdrp.org. Really grateful that you're listening today. Uh, we air this show Sundays at 1 p.m. Central on KPRC 950 AM radio. And at the end of the day, they are uploaded to a podcast on every platform around 5 p.m. So All of them. Yeah, it goes to iHeart, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, wherever you want to listen to us. You can go listen to old Podbean. shows. and Yeah, Podbean, which is weird to say. <laughs> I always call it Bean Pod because the old <laughs> rap songs talking about bean I pies. I've never listened yeah. to rap, so I don't know what a bean pod is. Yeah. So. It makes me think of like... Like a kitten, and their pads have the little the little paw beans. You know, it's the little be- toe beans. Is the bean? <laughs> Why are you looking like that? Is okay, the- <laughs> so anyways, it makes me think of the bean toes. Pod beans. <laughs> oh lord. Um. Also, we have Facebook and Instagram. Feel free to check those we out. We sure do. Leave us a comment. Comment uh, on Donnie's pictures. I mean, you really should, listeners, you really should, like, go to our Facebook page and look at some images because the um, the duration of what his beard has become in this last year is just a magnificent work of art. Aww. And so, oh, yeah, I love your beard, honey. Wow, that's very complimentary, hon. You're welcome. So we are feeling pretty relaxed, although this is weird. Um, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving yeah. break. Yeah, I we were so relaxed today school. that my wonderful wife forgot our headsets. So we're in studio on mics with no headsets, and this is completely weird because I can hear her for real, which is weird. It's just weird because now I can't hear the same way, which I don't know. People do it all the time. I don't think we have to have the headsets. It just feels more official. It's not official without the headsets, I feel, Heather. I feel like I'm a real radio personality with the headsets, yeah, but now but I'm just Heather now. Just stupid. Is that what you meant? <laughs> Is that what you meant? No. You, people are going to think you're serious when you say stuff like that to me on the radio. You are the m- s- third most important thing in my life. <laughs> God, yourself, and then me. No, God, <laughs> our 12-step fellowship. And then me. Yeah. Okay, I'm third. All right, that's working. I'm third in yours, right, or am I fifth? You're maybe farther down. No, I'm kidding, kidding. That's just hurtful. So the reason we're so relaxed, relaxed this happy. week is because we just got back from a six days six-day fishing trip. We, and shout out to the little cabin we went to. Oh, um, if you're in Texas and you're not too far from Livingston, there is an Airbnb on Sleepy Hollow Lake. It's no, called Bluegill Cottage. It's not even in Livingston, honey. It's in Goodrich, Texas. 
They're I not said, gonna I find said it. near Livingston. You probably need some headphones. <laughs> if you're anywhere near Livingston, go to Goodrich, Texas, the Sleepy anyways, Hollow Cabin. If you look it up on Airbnb, yeah, it's under Bluegill Cottage. It's on Sleepy Hollow Lake, and it is absolutely like if you are married, you have a significant other, and you want to reconnect. It's a wonderful place to do it. Which is why, because our lives are so busy, um, and so that's why we went out there. We were kind of debating on, like, this Thanksgiving break. Do we go to Chicago? Do we go to Oklahoma? Yeah. And I was like, can we just go away? <laughs> just me like, and we you? need to reconnect and enjoy ourselves, and going home to family is not how you do that. <laughs> like, I love my family and yours very much. You have to say that on the radio for um, sure. My family probably doesn't even listen, you know, and... So I love my family, but we're going to go on Christmas and you and I have been so busy that I just really wanted time away from you. And I love fishing. Like we talked about the last week's show about the boat and all that. We talked about that. Yeah. And then I started a fight on Saturday before we left (laughs) over the fishing boat. Because you want to buy the boat now and that's not. Listen, we were on this show and we even talked about it and we talked about on the show. You're like, we're getting a boat. We are. Well, in my mind, that means right now. It does not mean right now. That's so not in prudent. my mind, I had built a delusion without even knowing it. Like in the back of my head, there's this delusion operating system. Oh, I knew it. That runs 24-7. Yep. And I can point out in you. <laughs> no, no, I mean, l- yeah, let's I be know. real. Let's be real for a minute. I can point out in you or my friends or anyone looking at them in their life. I can say, hey, are you operating under a delusion that this thing... This external whatever is going to bring you happiness. And they go, oh, wow, thanks. But when it's operating in my own mind, I can't see it. I don't know it's operating. But I don't know why, because on last week's show, you even said, now you're going to have to fight the delusion that getting it right now is going to make you happy, but you still went home and stewed in, like, your head It wasn't that I stewed. It was that I was like, hey, look, here's some good deals. Here's some good deals. You're like, cool, March. And I was like, well, wait a minute possibly possibly next week by the end of december <laughs> they may be like willing to make some really sweet deals to get them off the lot if it's anything like cars and you were like that's not what we discussed anyways it was a back and forth that turned into like a heated argument last saturday before we went on our nice um, vacation you even cried so you would win it's my secret trick. I know, I know, and it made me. It makes me feel bad every single time, even <laughs> know that you'll cry to win. Because you know, I really don't have feelings. I have to fake it to win the argument. I know. <laughs> but here's the beauty. So, I did have this operating in the back of my mind, and our fishing trip brought it out. We were, you were gracious enough. So, first of all, let's just say this: I appreciate you so much. Sitting outside by a campfire in 49 degree weather is not your thing. Not my thing at all. But you did it for me. I sure did. Every single night. Sure did. Because you love me. And we were out there having conversation and you're like, hey, here's what I was thinking around the boat. Like, you know, if we look around March, it gives you time to sell your bike. You get your bonus. We get to see what it's going to cost to do some stuff we want to do to our house. It was like, you had this whole thought plan. And I went. There's just important things to consider with a timeline that makes it more smart. Right. More smart. Smarter. Smart. Well, and even though you had a thoughtful process, I was just like, hey, you just keep that trash to yourself. So I said, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. You just killed our listenership. Well, I that. just I lost control of my voice volume. <laughs> anyway, where were we over that? We were somewhere. That you the, got stuck on the boat again, and that's not our topic. I got stuck. Up. We, oh, we, but we, anyways, no, no. <laughs> well, all I wanted to say was the resolution of this was that we had some time to like. Sit, think, and talk. You mean you had time to sit and think and wrap your there brain you go, around? There you go, talking again. <laughs> and uh, you presented like your thought on it, and as much as I still hated your thought because I don't get instant gratification from that, it's you were still, right. It's still a smart plan. And here's the ridiculousness that is me. I'm willing to admit it. I have got this thing in my mind where like I need to go buy a boat right now in December when I can't use it yeah like literally we're traveling two three weekends this month we're like january will be cold like i'm just ridiculous i admit it you are ridiculous i admit it so uh anyways it was a great trip we got to reconnect you are a trooper you sat by the fire with me every and night I, while i smoke cigars yeah, and i don't like the cigars but i caught the most fish again that's typically how it goes. I caught the most fishes. and we But we were surprised to even catch fish because it was it pretty was cold. cold. They weren't really biting, but we caught a couple we caught little bass, bass perch. little perch. Did we get crappie or we got... <laughs> crappie. A crappie? <laughs> that's what I mean. That's no what spells. Crappie. <laughs> um, no, we just caught perch and bass. Perch and bass. Okay. So I was at a my 12-step fellowship meeting last night. It's a men's meeting. And I was talking to my friend Chad. 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 He it's goes not by Chad? He, he goes by the Chad, but I, we call him Chad. Okay. There's a story behind it. Well, um, don't tell it on the radio. And he did not realize that you and I were doing the show. He found out, and so he's had to do a lot of driving lately, and he's been binging the show. Poor Chad. I know to have nothing <laughs> else to do. Your voice twenty four seven. To have nothing else to do with your ear holes besides listen to <laughs> us is, we'll pray for. Chad. Anyways, get to the point. Well, anyways, he really loved the show that I did with Jason. Yeah. And he said the point that we hit on that really made him think was, you know, Jason was at that two year mark, going, oh wow, um, some stuff just got real. Yeah, life so, gets real, man. Well, and that's, I wanted to talk about that today because the first year in sobriety, in the 12-step fellowship, we're in the first year is you would think that it's the hardest thing ever. Like looking back, it was fun. Yeah. Like if you surrender to it, like if you like, okay, I'll just speak of my experience because I'll use I statements because it's all I have to go off of. When I got sober, I was completely done. I had tried every single way I could to not get drunk or high, and I could not do that and stay stopped. When a friend of mine 12-stepped me in and started taking me to meetings, I was just beat down enough that I was completely willing. Like, what do you want me to do? I fell into a group of people, Matt, Christina, uh, Kyle, this, this group of people that rage, that age raged from like 30 to 40 that were doing the whole deal. They were sponsoring, being sponsored. They were participating. They were in this whole deal. And I just jumped right in, okay? And so my first year of sobriety was busy. Mm-hmm. And it was glorious and amazing because I wasn't drinking. The problem that I found is that I think 
I based the idea of the program. I don't know. Correct me where I'm wrong here. You know what I'm trying to say, but the idea in my head was that life is great. I'm not drinking. Like it's the problem, and it's been removed. See, I don't relate at all. Like to the English language, mostly. <laughs> but also, my my first year was hard. How so? Like, on one hand, I could make a list of things that were, like, easy in the sense that I didn't own a home, so I didn't have bills to pay other than rent at a sober house, and I had an easy, like, secretary job or whatever. Um, But I'm saying, like, uh, my my, my, member of my family, um, uh, you know, tried to take their own life when I was a few months sober. Mm -hmm. Um, I was running from the law uh, for years from the state of Oklahoma. And, like, I had a voicemail one day that a detective wanted to interview me uh, at, at Kerr County. And so I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going to prison. I married a criminal. Um, and like, tr- for real, I married a criminal. That's a whole other story. We can get into the details of it in a minute. But, you know, my, when I finally turned a year sober, that's when I finally started to trust that I might stay sober because I didn't expect to stay sober because nothing had ever worked. So I was holding my breath for, like, a whole freaking year to see if I was even going to stay sober. Once because I, you, this was not your first try. You were a retread. No, I was a retread, retread, retread. And so then, so... So this is great. So, But uh, my point is, is the first year for me, yeah, it was kind of fun of getting dressed up and going to meetings, but it was so much drama associated with that and so much social aspect. And I'm not a social extroverted person. I hated doing all of that crap. And so that's why I think this is good from two different perspectives. This was my first shot. I had not been in the fellowship. I had not tried to stay sober. And I had been in and out, in and out, in and out. Right, but I hadn't tried that yet. And so this was my first shot. And so our first years look different. So let's talk about that for a second. So in my first year, what did I enjoy about it? Number one, the realization around 90 days sober that, oh, my gosh, I have not had a drink in 90 days. I couldn't remember far back enough in my life where that had been the case, right, where I had been on no substances at all for 90 days. Mm-hmm. I, it would have to go back to my teen and years. And I relate to that aspect. I okay. relate to turning three, four, five, six months sober and just being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is really happening. I had these new friends, these new friends that understood me, uh, these new friends that had been where I had been. And we're going out to, so I went to this Wednesday night meet, went, meeting with them every Wednesday night. That turned into Wednesday night. Tuesday night, we started a big book stuff. Like, I like jumped in full force and now suddenly I'm able to hang out. So we're going to conventions. We're going to dinner. We're hanging out on Saturdays at Matt's house. Like I suddenly had a group of people. It was a different interaction than I had ever had with human beings. And I don't think mine was so as social, fun social as yours was. What I'll say is like I managed a sober house. And so I was really close to my best friend, Michelle, who was the assistant manager in my house. Yeah. And so me and Michelle spent a lot of time together. But for the most part, I'm either in meetings or I'm doing two or three or four H&Is a week for yeah. the first year of my sobriety. Or I'm sponsoring. Well, I enjoyed that. Or I'm sponsoring a ton of girls. And I enjoyed the h and It wasn't too. a badge of honor for me. Like, I enjoyed it. Well, all I'm saying, it wasn't like the hanging out at Denny's at 3 a.m. sort of things that you talk about. Yeah. Mine was more of like, let's do the program. And, and But I mean, in my first year, I started a big book study at the Woods Road Group. I, we would go to Matt's, a bunch of dudes, until girls ruined it, but a bunch of dudes would meet at Matt's every Friday between 5 and 6, and we'd go to a meeting and then go to dinner, and we did that for years, and like it was... But I'm saying I didn't do any of that stuff. So you didn't do any of the fun stuff. <laughs> I guess. 
But I also This is why I also, call you the fun ruiner. But also, Debbie Downer, <laughs> I had a, a dramatic uh, experience with God at three months sober. That you left, did. That went for the till I was six months sober. Right. And, and and I was really rewritten, and a lot of really deep, dark spiritual work was happening in me from like I would say two to six months sober. Um, right, but you were doing all of this work in the twelve step fellowship without joy. <laughs> no, I had joy. I mean, we had some fun in the sober house. Is but it, it was? Is it because you're a ginger and don't have a soul, <laughs> or was there a curse put on you early in life? <laughs> I don't know. Door number three, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, we had a lot of fun, me and Michelle. We would get sick of managing the sober house. And we do you would... remember when you went to South Padre in Florida? So that's a different story. But I do remember I was just like so stressed out one day and she was like, come on, let's go to Six Flags. And so we just drove from Kerrville to San Antonio to go to Six Flags and, and turned our phones off and escaped responsibility for the day, you know. Right. And then uh, when she found out I had, I was from Oklahoma and I had never seen an American beach. She goes, pack your bag. We're going to Padre. I said, we can't go to Florida right now. For those of you who don't live in Texas, <laughs> South Padre Island's in Texas. And it's she not goes, in Florida. She goes, you dumb bleep. <laughs> it's in Texas. Did that word start with a B? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so she took me to my first American beach, you know. Uh, Will, you'll be happy to know that this year, Heather found out that Egypt is in Africa. <laughs> so I feel like he she's showed me geographically... a map at dinner once. Geographically growing. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Heather and Donnie and Relevant Recovery Radio. Back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts Heather and Donnie. Did you take a Xanax before you did that? Just, intro? I'm just talking like the <laughs> intro. Anyways. Yeah. So we're talking about <laughs> when, when life gets real or when recovery gets real. So I will say this. I have a quick story. Because um, we're talking about year one. We do, we're wrapping up year one. Year one for me, when I had. One year sober, I couldn't wait to have 10. And now that I have 10, I wish I had that first year back. I just, I really, I loved it. And for me, I always redirect you around the actual length of time doesn't matter because it's simply your experience. And what what I'm saying is... I hate you. You just always attach your experience to a timeline. And it's not like that for everybody. So what I'm saying Heather, is... Heather, you're going to understand when you get 10 years When someday. I get that experience. Yeah. yeah. Someday, someday you'll hit 10 years like I have uh-huh. and you'll understand the wisdom that comes with it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Anyways, um, so those of you in the fellowship understand how douchey that was. What I just said. <laughs> Anyways, um, I have a quick story. When I was uh, maybe two months sober or something, and so this is when recovery got real for me. Okay, and so this wasn't post a year sober to end two years. When you know, like how you were relating, this was I was two to three months sober. I always say you're an anomaly. Now I had worked all twelve steps already. Mm-hmm. But one here's a day. This is, and I always tell this story when I give my talk in twelve step speeches. But um, I had a missed call on my phone. Check the voicemail, and it's a detective that's looking for me and wants me to call him back. And so I call this detective back, and <clears throat> he asks vague questions to make sure he has the right person. Now I want to give some backstory to maybe some new listeners. Don't make the story longer. We got to get to your two and yeah, three. That- 
your la- your end of the end of your last run before getting sober, you lived in a storage unit in August, mm-hmm. and you you are the holder of seven felonies, like like trophies. Like you have a wall of trophies. You are the holder well, of seven felonies. Point is, is the reason that calling this detective and ultimately he wanted me to come into the office for questioning. Oh, that's but he never wouldn't, good. He wouldn't tell me what it was about. And in my mind, and we've um, watched enough first forty eight to know it's not good. <laughs> in my mind. Um, it could be the my seven felonies. I signed for five years on, on in prison on paper, and I've been on the run for four. Yeah. And so it could be that. It could be the fact, oh, I don't know, I'm about five, seven years behind in back child support. Like, there could be any number. And there was also, Criminal like, folks. there was also, like, illegal activity I did when I wasn't sober in that town of Kerrville. The, for the okay, year prior. Okay, so we get it. You're a criminal, and you're not good at it because you keep getting caught. caught. So, so anyways, the detective calls you. So he wants me to come in, and I, of course, agree. I ask him to give me an hour. And I was so scared. Uh, this is when lo- life and recovery got real. I wanted to run. I thought of different, like, places in Austin I could go to. And and I had, like, this, like, wave wash over me of, like, you have to face whatever this is. You don't get to run. Like, whatever it is. And so I asked a girlfriend that lived in my house to give me a ride because I didn't even have a car she had to give me a ride to the sheriff's office. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And uh, and so on the way there, I am shaking like a chihuahua pooping razor blades because I am so scared. And he puts me in a padded room, questions me. Anyways, it ends up being about something that had that, nothing to do with me. Long story short, I won't go into that story, but it had to do with something that happened. Wait a minute. You just took our listeners for a ride. Okay, Listen. so you're on the way there. You get there. He questions you. It was about a robbery. It was about a gas station I used to work at that got robbed, but apparently it got robbed while I was in rehab so I could prove I didn't do it. They and thought that, I did it. <laughs> that's what got you off the hook. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it so, turned out to be another employee, but the other employee did not get in trouble why he passed away from an overdose right and so anyways yeah so i went through that episode of those hours that day and um and that evening my dad calls me and my dad never calls me ever (laughs) and i'm sitting on the the smoke patio with the other girls at the sober house and i'm like my dad's calling me and i step out to take his call and he was like really upset and didn't want to tell me, but he said I deserved the right to know um, that my my daughter had some uh, a mental health crisis that day and some self harm was involved, and then she was in an adolescent psychic uh, psychiatric unit. She was in a psychic psychiatric unit. <laughs> and um, at this time, not only was I a whole state away. I didn't have any visitation rights at all. And so even if I was in Oklahoma, I couldn't have gone and saw her. What a great segue. And his worry was that you... He was worried I was going to go relapse because he told me. That's a great segue because that is our collective experience. So for me, it's year two to three. In fact, for I'm gonna, I am going to say with confidence, it's most people. Yes, year I, two to three... I disagree. You're an anomaly, I'm, and you, you'll never understand that, that most people don't find God the way you did at two to three months sober. Most don't. They just don't. I, I, I know a lot of people in recovery, and I'm just telling you that there is sort of a, a flow in recovery, like, you know, one to five years, you're just figuring it all out. But I believe and, that in certain contexts. So I will say this, when it comes to timeline stuff, People get an itch at one year sober where they debate relapsing and all of that. I didn't. Um, I did. Most people do. I you still a lot do of seven years later. <laughs> no, no, no. The other itch comes around year five. 
And what we notice is people will do 12 steps gung-ho for about three years, then they float away. Right. And around year five, they either either drink again or take their own well, life. And what I always tell them is between four and six, yep, yep. you either have a profound God experience and something happens or it just gets worse. But here's what I want to say about years two to three is that that first year for me was about staying sober. Yeah, that, That's what it was about. But what started to happen into year two and probably maybe six months into year two and into year three was now the real problem. See, the idea of this discussion is that year one was about staying sober. And I really had the, I think I had in my heart that that was the problem. And what I began to realize going into year two and three. Wait, there's a lot of problems. <laughs> was that it was, yeah, it was merely the symptom of the real problem. Yeah. And so now I'm faced with the real problem, which is me. And, and I and, will agree with that side of, of the pancake, you know, because in that sense, after I turned one, in, from year one to year three, is when I hired an attorney and I handled all of my legal issues and my community service and my ID scenario and my social you, security you and my ID and getting a car and getting a driver's license and, and be getting a job and beginning to pay back child support. Well, for those of us who are not an anomaly, what year two to three looks like or year two to four is that we start to see how much we are reliant on self instead of God. We start to see the selfishness. We start to see how much we actually let others dominate our emotions. Those of us who are not anomalies, this is what happens between two and four, is that we begin to see the real problem, and the real problem is lack of reliance on God and selfishness. And it becomes... But I'm saying I got that by like three months sober, and you're again, saying most people don't? Correct. I've sponsored hundreds of women, honey. And most people don't. Just because you sponsor them doesn't mean you can pass on your anomaly. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I've watched a lot of people learn that. And I've watched a lot of people have a similar experience of having a profound alteration in who they are quickly. I'm not saying they don't, but what I'm saying is the longer you're in sobriety, around year, between years two and four some self-honesty starts to come out. You start seeing how you're treating others. You start seeing the real problem. I'm, yeah, you I and I are just going to disagree no, on this. No, I agree with that to a certain extent. I'm just saying like in my experience. I'm not saying that, that they didn't get sober when you took them through the steps no, with your magic hands. I'm just saying <laughs> like. That's not what I said. I'm just saying that like for most of us, then maybe I'm just talking about men. And maybe you're, maybe women are just smarter and get it quicker. But That's probably it. Well, all I'm saying is that. <laughs> Last night, a couple of people said the same thing. Like, Were that's where men? I'm at. Were they all men? Jason on this show talked about the fact that that's where he was at. This other men talked to me about, like, so it's apparent that at least we can say for most men, mm -hmm. that year one is a good time. You're not drinking and you're sober. But when you go into year two, three, and possibly four, that's when the real comes out and you start seeing the real problem and it and it gets ugly in your face and it's in a mirror and that that's when you're like uh okay wait a minute i thought because i was sober life was supposed to just get better and i was about to say maybe it's not a men and women versus women thing maybe it's like a drug addict like a heroin addict versus an alcoholic thing because of like i don't know i don't think it's that either because a girl i'm thinking of that had a profound experience with god uh, you know was just an alcoholic that i sponsor and but you so don't know what's in her head and what she's facing you're assuming 
right? You're assuming that she had the same experience you did. But that's what you're assuming by no, saying I'm going one by, year. I'm going by the conversations that I've had, I've had by the people that have like told this. me this. I've had right? lots of How many dudes I've had to sit down with between two and four years with the exact same thing I went through? A and bunch. I think that the longer someone does the deal... Uh, you know, it seems like there's what I'm saying is people float away and that's frustrating for me. You know, I have seven years and you have 10 and we shouldn't be like any sort of elders in the recovery community. Right. But what really bugs you is that I have more time, which is why you rebel against anything on a timeline. I just don't relate, honey. I don't relate to the timeline you give. You preach it like it's a fact. And I'm like, that's not my experience. All right. Well, we got to, we got to take a break. Oh, okay. Heather and Donnie Moser, Relevant (laughs) Recovery Radio. Welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio. This is our last segment of the day. (laughs) This is Heather Mosier and I am Donnie Mosier and we are here talking to you about a topic relevant to recovery. Hey, before before we go back on to our topic, I wanted to make sure our listeners knew about some cool recovery events coming up in the month of December. Um, And so on December... Are these Houston events? Houston, Houston, Texas? Yeah. Okay. So on Saturday, December 9th, um, they're having a Jingle Bell Bowl. It's a bowling party at Bolero off Bunker Hill. Um, It's first come, first serve. And so if you want to bowl, you got to show up at 530 and register. And we're going to play from 6 to 8 p.m. Adults are $30 and children 12 and under are only $10. And your ticket covers shoes, soft drinks, and light refreshments. So we got that going on. In addition to that, we're having an awesome event known as the first annual Recovery Day with the Houston Texans. So on uh, New Year's Eve day, December 31st, at NRG Stadium, there's going to be a huge sober tailgate party in the yellow lot, followed with everyone attending the Houston Texans game against the Tennessee Titans together. And um, if you purchase your ticket and sit with the recovery crew, there's so far more than 600 of us. And if you go to partysober.org and purchase your ticket through there, it's only $36 for the whole thing. After the game, all of us in recovery are going to be ushered down onto the football field to take a group photo with the Houston Texans. And I don't know if you love soccer like I do, but this sounds like an amazing event. (laughs) So in addition to that, if you don't know what to do on New Year's Eve and you are sober or want to be sober or are just sober curious, um, save the date for Sober Eve. It's benefiting the Way Out Women's Center. It's from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. at the Asylum. So if you have any questions about that, go to Facebook and look up the event Sober Eve. Wonderful. And if you or a loved one are suffering from a substance abuse disorder or a substance use disorder, <laughs> I just hate the term. He terms. can't be PC. You have no idea. Yeah. So what's the number they should call? 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. And now back to the text. Okay. All right. So The issue that I had after year one is that I began to see my real buffoonery. I began to see that I was very controlling, that I was abusive to my ex-wife, that I was um, 
not always honest, that I was very selfish, like all of the real problem Mm -hmm. that caused me to drink, all of the real stuff started to come out. And that's what I had to start dealing with. Um, How defective you were? Huh? How defective you were? hundred percent and still am. Yeah. I wasn't saying that as a joke. I was just, you know, that was just, man, I was destroyed emotionally after my first fist step. I was aware of how defective I was. But that's what I'm saying is that I think most of us go through that first year so happy and it's great. It's like, man, I'm sober. And then it's almost like a letdown when you find out, cool, that wasn't the problem. That was a (laughs) symptom. And the real problem is your selfish self-centeredness, your self-reliance, your... All of these things, right? Yeah. And so that was when I'm glad that I had practiced the steps to the best of my ability in the first year because in year, let's say two through five, it really mattered. Yeah. I really needed them. I needed the spiritual tools. This Mm -hmm. is where I learned. I learned what they were in year one. But in year two, I had to use them. Year Mm -hmm. three, I had to use them. I had to begin actually. It wasn't just... It wasn't just doing this thing, this arbitrary thing, or taking somebody else through the arbitrary thing. It was the actual practice, and I was in and trouble. see, I think that I relate to what you're saying, just not the timeline is the only thing I'm saying. Because, like, I don't know if our listeners know this, but my first three sponsors relapsed while they were sponsoring me when I was newly sober. I know you. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no. And I'm just saying... If anybody could make somebody relapse, it would be new, <laughs> no, no, no. sober Heather. I can't make anyone relapse. It had nothing to do with me. The point is, is when something like that occurs and you're newly sober, you're like, does this crap even work? Well, my sponsor drank again. Maybe I can drink again. All sorts of things go through your head. And I really had to rely on God right away, like scared of relapse, begging him to help me. I, I need his power in my life. I don't want to be the kind of person I used to be. Please help me, God. Right. But you had things happen to you in year one that just don't happen to most people. Um, I, I dare you to put a poll on Facebook. I would love it if our listeners would jump on Facebook. If you I can actually are, do that. If you are two to five years sober, we would love for you to answer honestly. Um was your first year easy and then it got real after that and you had to start really facing the real problem? Or are you like Heather and you found God in month two, three, four, and bam, you were just... I'm just saying I went through a lot of really heavy stuff my first year. Understood. And I'm just saying that's not the majority. You're okay. the you're. So let's talk about... Are you the saying tw- I'm a minority? Or an anomaly. Okay. You're like Neo in the Matrix. I like that. Okay. Okay. So then we're good. Yeah. What tools, once... It started to get real. Once the real problem surfaced, which, which tools do we have to use? And I was talking to a, uh, a guy that I sponsor about this early today. This is when the growth steps come in handy. So a lot of people in the fellowship will call steps 10, 11, and 12 the maintenance steps, but, but they're really them not. The growth steps. They are the growth steps. Why? It's a lot of times. A, it's something you practice for a lifetime. Right. But if we really talk about the effect and why, so I'll I'll share my experience. There are times when I probably should 10th step, and a 10th step is a spot check throughout the day, if I feel... Restless, irritable, discontented, or selfish. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I cannot believe the book nerd just said that. Oh, you're asking me the four questions for a 10th step. Yes. Okay. uh, Resentful, selfish, dishonest, and afraid. If I feel selfish or dishonesty happen up, or if I'm angry, or if I'm fearful, Mm -hmm. I need to call somebody, my sponsor, somebody, 
I need to first ask God to remove it. Then I'm going to call somebody who is going to ask me the right questions. I'm going to go through this process. But you know what? A lot of times I don't want to 10 step on the surface. It's I don't want to bother them. But operating in the back of my brain, under the surfaces, I don't want them to know that I feel this way, that I'm going through this. I want people to think that I'm good. Because I had that, and probably still, there's remnants of this idea that, well, I'm sober, everything's good. Everything's supposed to be great once I'm sober. This is also what hits us in year two and three. It's like, well, wait a minute. I thought everything was going to be peaches because I'm sober, but it's not. I will say in the the 12-step world... Um, when I'm trying to talk to someone, or maybe you feel this way when you're trying to talk to someone, particularly the people we sponsor or are close to, mm-hmm. I hate it when I ask them how they're doing and they're like, great. Um, You'd rather them be real and I say like, I would rather like, really, them on? being like, dude, yesterday sucked. Yeah. Dude, I'm having a really hard time. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill or I can't stand my husband or whatever it is. Like, One of my favorite answers, because I know somebody's being honest, like, hey man, how are you? I'm okay. Yeah. Because yeah. typically when somebody says, oh, okay. All right, so we got to wrap this quick. So the second tool is the 11th step, right? Nightly I've review and morning meditation and I've prayer. I've got to build that tool because in the morning, I try to put myself on the right track with God. And in the evening, I review my behavior and I'm honest about it. Mm-hmm. And my sponsor can see that and see for accountability if but I need to why? send it to why in our lineage, this isn't particular to all 12-steppers, but in our lineage, the nightly review gets written and it's 12 questions and we take a picture of it and we text it to our sponsor for, for accountability, accountability right. and guidance. Right, so... <laughs> <laughs> 10 helps us throughout the day. We have to humble ourselves to call somebody for help. And 11 helps us in the evening and the morning start and end our day appropriately. To look at ourselves honestly with God. With a God compass. That's right. And then 12 is stepping outside myself, sacrificing my time to for help someone, someone else, else to help them. Mm-hmm. Right? It gets me out of the way and gives God room to come in. So these are the things that I really have to focus on. Years two, three, four, five, I really have to do the work. But At that what point, I we're, notice... But it, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. We're in the first year. You know what carried me through? Mm-hmm. All the things. Um, All the things. Yeah. Right? Think about that. All of the... The fellowshipy things and the meetings and all the were new stuff. Were you not doing 10, 11, and 12 like that your first year? It meant something different, I think, for me oh. in two, three, and four. It meant something different than it did year one. Year one, I was just practicing to do it, but it hadn't moved from head to heart. How's that? Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I think that for me, I had a dramatic experience with all of it early on and I'm really just grateful for the experience so I like that we've been able to talk about our similarities Mm -hmm. in in the same program but also just different ways we at different timelines that we've experienced it it's still the same thing it's all spiritual growth all right so we really appreciate you listening today to Heather and Donnie on Relevant Recovery Radio and And don't forget those who stand for nothing will fall for anything hashtag God though